0: I'm Mohawk Matt, and this is By Hair, Land, and Sea, where we will bridge the gap and have conversations that need to happen. After spending 13 years both as an active duty Marine and then a Navy civilian, I am now on a mission to serve our nation by providing a megaphone for the right people at the right time. Join me and my guests as we remove barriers so that you can do what you do best. Be awesome. See you in the trenches. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of My Hair, Land, and Sea, where I have got Miss Dinocorn herself, Dolores Cucina who is a fantastic human, who she's going to take us down the path of being a contracting officer, what that means, why she loves it so much, and I'm glad she does, because I don't, Uh, creating her own business, really putting herself out there, and just leaning into that fear and that uncomfortableness both to really to get her PhD in something that make me nauseous, but <laughs> she is amazing at, and really just put herself out there, network, try new things, um, dig into her passions. Dolores, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Good morning.
0: Yes. And I do got to, I think it is funner to sing your last name than say your last name.
1: Yep. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and I like, I like hearing the different tunes too. So it's been interesting to see how people mix it up.
0: You recently created a company called rixado Solutions, correct? Yes. Yes. And we're going to go into that, but first, what is a dinocorn?
1: Sure. So I love dinosaurs. Um, you can probably, let me see if I can shift. You can probably see some <laughs> dinosaurs and unicorns around, um, so I just blended the two wonderful creatures together and called it a Dynacorn one day and it kind of stuck. So um kind of created a little bit of a brand for myself and it became the dinocorn.
0: Fantastic. And you're, and you say you build a brand for yourself. You're using that now to mm-hmm. build out your company, correct?
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the Main part of the logo. So it's a Velociraptor unicorn hybrid is our mascot. (laughs) Her name is Mura. Um, She's named after a cat that I had for about 17 and a half years, um, who was very sassy, but uh, was very loyal and very sweet and loved cheese. So, I mean, obviously that was a great way to honor her. Um, And I love, absolutely love Velociraptors. It kind of has some history too. Um, my husband and I, we kind of joke, he's the T-Rex I'm the Velociraptor. So we're both huge dinosaur fans, obviously. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the whole logo, everything kind of like ro- rotates around this dinacorn kind of brand idea.
0: That's fantastic. Well, and I love that. Cause you're starting to see that like organizations like Defense Unicorns with Doug,
1: um,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and you with Muta and people build a brand around something that people can relate to. Yeah. And I don't know who, who relates to Dinocorn, corn, but I'm sure there's people out there that do. Um, and th- and I just love that you've turned that into your thing uh, and you're just running with it. Oh, and also we have to celebrate because this is your first ever podcast as a guest. Yes. yes,
1: yes. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really, really
0: excited. <laughs> yeah, no, that's freaking awesome. So you told me as a guest, have you been, have you interviewed people before?
1: Yeah, so I interviewed um, Trish Martinelli on the Defense Entrepreneurs uh, Forum podcast. So we did a like an event on a Saturday and I interviewed her about her mission for deaf and things like that. So this is like, and I didn't even know that they were going to turn that into a podcast. So it was like a surprise appearance for me. Um, But this is like a dream come true. I've kind of like set out a goal for myself about like two years ago that I really wanted to be on a podcast. And you're making that dream come true. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Yes. Oh, that's my new thing. Making dreams come true. There you
1: love
0: go. I, I'm pretty sure that's a, a slogan for someone. Probably Disney.
1: Pro- probably. Probably.
0: <laughs> so I, I just love your story, Dolores. And I love what you, we met um, when we were both in different positions mm-hmm. um, last year, kind of different stages of our life. And I think we're both on that journey of creating businesses, creating new brands, doing different things. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your story of kind of where you've been the last few years, how you've got into what you've gotten into and kind of where you're going now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I moved to Northern Virginia from Hampton Roads. I lived in Newport News uh, in 2019. Um, I had a mentor of mine tell me that if I wanted to really excel in my career and get my goals that I wanted to accomplish, I had to move to Northern Virginia. Um, Was I panicked? Yes, I have. My husband and I, we have eight fur babies, so like just the idea of having to crate them all, move them, was like anxiety overload, Um, and it just so happened I took the chance. I applied to jobs. Um, At the time, I was working uh, for Newport News Shipbuilding on Columbia Class. Really good experience to see how do you take such a massive program and have elements all chime into it to deliver this one big thing, right? And Columbia class is a giant submarine. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to do something different because what I found that I really enjoyed was really talking to the government about, um, you know, how does computer coding work? How do these systems integrate? How does this work? And how do you build a contract around it that makes sense? And that really got me excited. So when I was looking for opportunities here in Northern Virginia, I was looking at, Hey, what company could I really work for? What kind of stuff can I do? And I found a professional services company that I absolutely love the team. Um, And I learned a lot because there I worked with Canada, public sector, U S public sector. I oversaw some contracts for this organization. Um, So I got you know, I got experience almost like I basically took all of my experience I had before this company and was applying it full front and also working with the commercial contracts team. So it gave me a lot of visibility into what are all the elements and what are the similarities between all of these different types of contracts. And then I worked for an awesome company here in DC called Boone Group. Um, I think a lot of people are very familiar. I worked with Joy Shannaberger. Um, as the director of growth there, and I learned how to work with small companies that were looking for creative contracting pathways, um, and also helping build out a strategy for Boone, looking at how do we really give the government what they need for the needs that they're saying, and how to break through, you know, the noise, read the signals. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard Joy say, you know, give a damn, put up your best uh, best foot forward, and really try to make that change. And as I was looking for what's the next step, what are what am I going to do afterwards? I really wanted to do something unique, and I wanted to take a chance. Um, and I had a really good friend of mine say, "Take a chance on yourself." And I was like, "Okay, that's a little scary. Um, I don't know about that." So I had to think about that. I was, I'm, you know, I was also working with uh, the Center of Government Contracting at GMU, still am, and I absolutely love it. So that was entertaining one part of my brain and I started kind of doing a journey of what really excites me and what excites my brain at the same time. And how do I find those different elements in the different things that I do? So GMU really helped for me to like my knowledge, my research, finding out new facts, things like that. And working with the, you know, thought leaders that are in academia to entertain my brain that way. Um, I volunteer. Um, I think you probably see a lot of my posts for NCMA Tyson's defense entrepreneurs forum. So that kind of entertains a different part of my brain. Um, and so I thought what would be a better way than take a bet on myself and find projects that excite me and through that have clients that have products or ideas that are challenging, that are exciting, that, you know, really bring a new perspective to me somewhere where I can learn from them and I can bring immediate value to them. So I started Rexada. It was the name comes from the last initial of all of our animals. Um, My husband rearranged it. So Rex for dinosaurs OTA, because that's what my dissertation is is on. So kind of like perfect name Rexada. And yeah, that's how I ended up being here today.
0: That is fantastic. I I am in a give you a little bit more credit than you gave yourself. You said it was a little scary. And I <laughs> am I, recently going through this. I know it's way more than a little scary. Yes. <laughs> to, to invest in yourself and really to to take that bet on yourself. Because it, it is it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying to in, in all the good ways. But to leave something that you are comfortable with, that you've done for so long, that you're still good at, And Mm -hmm. just to really just jump and be like, let's see what happens.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think you and I talked a little bit at South by where I told you that it's been great to meet people that either have started their own companies or even you and finding out that the uh, constant up and down roller coaster emotion feeling that you have where you're like, yeah, I'm ready to conquer the world. And five minutes later, you're like, oh my God, what did I set my family up for? What did I set myself up for? Is this happening? It's happening. Okay. Oh my God, we're going to do exciting things. Oh, I forgot to do that. Like that constant like turmoil of, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? Did I make the right decision? That kind of piece I think is the part that's kind of like Uh, I found a lot of people have, whether they're on their fifth, sixth business or their first, Mm -hmm. everybody goes through these emotions. And you're right. Like when I say a little bit scary, I mean, you know, on the surface, it's like an iceberg. I'm like, huh, it's kind of scary on the inside. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Did I lose my mind? Why can't I? I'll just go work at like, you know, I'll just go back to my roots, go do contracts, go do hair again, like figure out something else that gives me some security and um, I had a mentor tell me a while ago if it makes you nervous, if it makes you, you know, scared, you're doing the right thing. Um, and this is something that's going to bring you to the next level in your career, in your life, whatever, yeah. whatever the risk might be.
0: Well, and I love that. And I think it really is. I was, I was at a young age, I was told something similar of like, if you're not nervous, then maybe it's not worth it. Yeah. And um, so I, as I started my own stuff last fall, the amount of times i mentally vomited and occasionally physically vomited (laughs) um shows that i guess it's worth it because i'm that nervous most days and and i want to be clear the model that dolores is talking about where you kind of go from super high and super low isn't over the course of weeks and months it's every single day
1: yes yes
0: (laughs) every single day struggle i recently saw a good meme about this and i was going to share it later this week already um, but it, like, that's what I've gone through. It's the same, similar story of going up and then, and then down, like I Google, mm-hmm. is it time to claim bankruptcy at least once a week? Like, <laughs> but, but that's, that's the, the path we took. We burned all the yeah. and completely and completely changed. And so it's, it's, it's a, it shows a lot about you and it's your character that's willing to go through that and what that can become. Like right now, nobody knows what the dino corn is or some people mm-hmm. do. But in a year or two, it's gonna be this brand that's a thing. Yeah. Associated with Rick and associated with um, creative contract pathways. And and so I just I applaud you. First of all, that's fantastic. It's so it's such a hard thing to do. Um, and you're just you're failing, you're succeeding, you're whatever's <laughs> happening, but you're doing
1: it. I'm doing it. I'm taking it one day at a time and figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and hoping that. You know, the things that don't work, I can at least identify them very quickly. Um, and the things that do work, I can remember that I did them well and take note of them yeah. so that I could replicate. It.
0: Well, and so let's talk, let's pull that. I'm talking about like things. So I know you talked about some of the stuff you volunteer for and, and you do a mm-hmm. lot of networking and, and conversations and stuff. So before we talk about what you do networking wise, imagine for you what would doing all of this new business be like if you hadn't been networking for the last couple of years?
1: Um, I don't think it would have happened. Um, I, I, I've developed this amazing support system, uh, through networking of not only other entrepreneurs, but experts in the field and people that inspire for me to be better, to do better. Um, and where I can exchange ideas very freely, uh, without that, you know, I can't identify always um, when I say something wrong. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? But to have someone that I can go to and go, "Hey, I'm reading this statute or I'm reading you know this contract, and I'm not I feel like something is wrong here, and this is why, right? And my my friend or my colleague can go, well, I'm I'm sensing the same vibe like something isn't adding up Um, without having that kind of like sanity check I don't think I would have been able to build on my knowledge as much as I have uh, first off second of I wouldn't have you know the availability to call on a friend and say hey I'm looking for some way and I'll use this as an example because I just, you know, I just finished this like huge six-year-long project on writing about OTAs um, in DOD. And now I really want to dig into PIAs and Kratas and I really want to understand how does how do all of them blend together? How do they all work together? How do they interconnect? And so there's certain people that I can call and say, I have this idea. And they always go, Okay, great. Is this a new research project, Dolores? And I go, uh-huh. I'm like, I need to know where can I find really good information on X, on, like let's say PIs, And they go, okay, great. I'm gonna send you this link. You're gonna go to that link and then let me know if you have any questions. And the best thing about that is that I can literally read that entire document. I can go back to this person and say, here are all of my questions. And they're like, that's great. I think you also have identified a great research area just from you just reading this. Do you want to work together on this research or do you want to get it started? Or how do you want, you know, how do you want to work together on this? I wouldn't have that today if I didn't start networking, not only just a few years ago, but if I didn't start networking straight out of my undergrad. I mean, that's really when I started working on my network. And you hear in college, I mean, I think we've all heard it, your network will pay off, right? And I mean, it took years, it took over 10, 11 years for my network to actually start paying off. But it took a lot of time of building those relationships, maintaining those relationships. I mean, I could not imagine what my life would be if I just said, you know what, I'm just not going to network, I'm not going to be a part of NCMA, I'm not going to be a part of the CNU Alumni Peninsula Board. I'm not gonna do deaf, you know, things like that uh, because I wouldn't have met the people that I met, um, let alone LinkedIn. I mean, you know Mohawk, Matt, like LinkedIn, you meet, you're like, oh, this person's doing something cool. Let me reach out to them and be like, hey, you're doing some cool stuff. Let's talk, right? And people are willing to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you meet really awesome people who like, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn. know what are you doing like let's follow each other let's exchange information like things like that I think as long as you're being true to yourself and what your interests are and you're going out and you're meeting these people not think about it from a sense of like every person that you meet can like better yourself you can learn something from them you can shoot ideas back and forth and you can help each other and that's how you really build the network um But I really do think if I didn't dedicate time to that, and I didn't put myself out there and peel myself off the couch most nights (laughs) to put on jeans or put on proper pants and a jacket to go out and network, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today, nor be doing such exciting research as I am right now.
0: And and I I just love that. And I I think it's, you hit on a couple of really things I want to pull on is one one of my favorite quotes is from jim hondo gertz Mm -hmm. which is make the relationship before you need the relationship where a lot of people will network and make relationships because they need something and you kind of said this where just go and learn from people and Mm -hmm. just go and just i I call it activating sponge mode and just go Mm -hmm. into a room and just like soak up everything that you can and i've uh, in my own way, done things to put myself, I don't ever want to be in a room where I'm the smartest person. Mm -hmm. I want to be confused. I want (laughs) to, I want to have imposter syndrome. I want to feel like I don't belong there because I know that's where I'm going to learn the most as uncomfortable as that's going to be. Yep. That's where we can learn.
1: Yeah, no, i That's, uh, you know, that's something that I think I have very much in common with you is like, I do not want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to be in a room where I can sit there and I can listen to people have debates over, you know, the hot topics of the day or whatever we might be learning together, but be able to meet at the table all together as equals and have that conversation openly so that together we can walk away with something actionable and impactful that we can bring to other people outside of that small room or large room, whatever we might be in. Um, but also I think if you can be the smartest person in the room for a specific area, and then you can bring that and bring that knowledge to other individuals and then they learn from you and then you can learn from them and you can have some reciprocity there within those conversations, but you shouldn't be the smartest person that knows everything that everyone is talking about, right? Like there you're not being challenged enough. Like um, I think you, like you, for example, talk a lot about branding and putting yourself out there and how to communicate with people. And people wanna learn from you. And I think what's awesome is that you also wanna learn from them. So even if you might not be the smartest person in the room for the topic being discussed, there are areas that you are the smartest person in the room for and how you bring that contribution I think is what makes people unique. When they're willing to not just take from people but also give people their knowledge and be open to the you know comments or criticisms or compliments um which i think are sometimes harder to accept than criticism because you're like oh i did that yay um you know but for other people those are like mountains that they have to climb in order to achieve the same success that you have
0: Oh, and so speaking of compliments, I am already grateful that I am your first podcast, because once people start hearing you, you're going to go, you're just going to blow up because you're talking like a person with 60, 70 years experience. And I do also want to say highlight, highlight or make fun of one of the two. Um, It's got to, you know, you're talking to a contracting officer when they are talking about networking relationships and they use the word reciprocity. (laughs) Like that, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like that is your, that is your contract nerd alert. If you don't know, yes. <laughs> um, I've only ever heard that word used in contracting circles. So kudos to you for bringing it out into the world in Thank other you. ways.
1: Thank you. Uh, word of the day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and I just, I love, I love that. And I love that piece of the learning from each other, of um, leaning on each other, the, the relationships you've been building um, I want to shift a little bit and talk about the contract side, because that's what you mm-hmm. are the specialist at. That is what you yeah. are way smarter than me at. <laughs> and um, so what you kind of talked a little bit of how you got of where you've come the last few years. But was that like, a, how did you fall into that? Was that like, a, I wanted to be a contracting officer for, for my life? Like what drove that?
1: So I will say I am what's defined as the crazy person that sought this out. Um, so I, when I graduated from Christopher Newport University in, in Newport News, I got this really unique job. And like most people that graduated in 2009, 2010, um, you know, we had the Great Recession in 2008. You were promised right out of college you would get a, you know, you would get a job making. $60,000, $70,000 a year just because you have this piece of paper and you graduate and you're like, no one is hiring me because I have to have for an entry level job 20 years of experience. And I got this really unique job where I was split between two departments, I was split between accounting and legal Um, I hated accounting in school, I did not do good at it. But I like, I'm good at math, and I'm good at numbers, um, product of my mom, that's a physicist. So um, it came naturally to me. But you know, in school, for whatever reason, it didn't entertain my brain. But legal has always entertained my brain. I always liked the law, I always liked the beauty of it. I liked um, the discretion aspect of it. And I liked being able to interpret something that's so black and white. I mean, it's on paper in black and white in front of you, but you can interpret it in different ways. And like anybody (laughs) fresh out of college, the first thing you look at is what is the salary of this job? Um, And I looked up government contracts and I said, okay, like I'm looking paralegal, you don't make a lot. Um, Lawyer, I have to go to a bunch of more school that's even more expensive than my undergraduate. You don't have the money for that yet. Um, But then there's this thing called federal contracts. What is that? So I go to NCMA's website and I look up, they do a salary study every single year. And I look and it says like with so many years experience, you could be making six figures. For someone that just like is like trying to figure out how to like move out of my mom's house, pay my own rent, and you know, buy a car, I'm like, I want that six figures. I want that. So the first thing I did is I called um, his name is Mark. He, uh, I forget who he worked for at the time, but we were uh, on the Peninsula Alumni Board for CNU. And I said, Okay, Mark, I think I figured out what I want to do. I want to do government contracts. And he said, okay. I was like, okay,
0: uh, tell me what I
1: need. And he's like, (laughs) so you need to start learning the FAR. And I was like, cool. What is that? Um, He said, federal acquisition regulations. I said, okay. He said, you need a master's and you need to get your CFCM certification from NCMA. So I I, like wrote it down on my paper. He's like, you need at least five years experience. You need this. So he kind of gave me a roadmap of like what the check marks are. And I continued working um, at this company doing commercial contracts. They were a procurement software company. And I loved my boss because he really taught me the basics of a contract. Like, what do you look for in a contract? Um, And the way he taught me that is I literally read every contract the company had. I read it from the master service agreements, the supplier agreements, to the addendums, NDAs, whatever there was, I read them. And then we would dissect them together. um, And we would have those conversations. So the next job that I had that I got was uh, working with proposals. And you're like, Well, you wanted to do contracts, why would you do proposals, right? Like you're crazy. You went from one crazy job that most people don't wanna do to another one that people really don't love doing either. (laughs) So what happened? Um, And I worked for, again, uh, my boss's name was Mike and he was amazing. (laughs) Um, And he told me, and he really taught me the importance of understanding the procurement process from the very beginning and why understanding how to break down that solicitation was so critical. And he taught me how to read it. He told me how to read the solicitations, how to break them down, how to be compliant, how to manage the proposal process. I mean, he really set the groundwork. And I, under, I started to learn the contract life in, in the government space from the very beginning. So I could see how you shape the opportunity from a need and you get to the proposal stage. And now I'm like, okay, now I have that. Now I wanna know how do I Manage the contract that's now associated with this proposal. So I had a, a conversation with him. I said, I really want to do contracts, and he said, Okay, I fully support you. Go, you know, find an opportunity that allows you to do that. And I did, and I, and I worked for um, her name is Christy, and she, she really laid the foundation to me of what a government contract has. How do you manage your subcontractors? How do you manage closeout? I mean, people hate closeout of contracts. And I really liked it because you had to, again, understand what documentation you had to have from the very beginning in order for you, when you get audited, which could be five, 10 years after your contract's over, and someone goes, why did you do this thing in 1995? And you're supposed to be able to look at this file <laughs> and be able to go, "Well, hmm, it says right here, this is why we did it, right? And that's hard. I mean, no one can keep that stuff forever. You have attrition all the time in companies. So having good documentation is key. And I think what made my experience different from the moment I determined I wanted to do it is I had three bosses that gave me the foundation that I needed to one, understand why contracts are important in relationships between business to business or even business to government between two parties. I had a boss that explained to me the beginning part of the solicitation process of government has a need, how do you take that all the way to a successful proposal? And then I had a boss right after that, that showed me, this is how you take that successful proposal and you have a successful contract. This is how you manage it in order for you to do it well. And from those three jobs, I really understood at ground level, what do you have to have? So all the other positions that I had afterwards continued to build on that from different avenues. So from construction contracts, very different from professional services, same with international type contracts. I mean, the Canada procurement system, very different from the US. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's different to learn the process, but the elements are the same because ultimately it's a, a contract is a contract is a contract is a contract. Uh, I know all the lawyer friends and contract managers will love that, (laughs) Um, but I sought this job out and I love contracts. All that boring stuff that people don't like, I love it. Like, don't fall asleep on me, but like indemnification, warranty, limitation of liability, that's my jam, intellectual property. I love that. Data rights, give it to me. I want to read it. I want to understand it. I want to know how do we like frame all this. Um, so those kinds of things, like, it sounds weird that that excites me, but having a good solid contract, that's really the basis of your relationship with whatever you're trying to do, whatever the business interaction is. If your contract isn't solid or isn't something that you two could work well together on your relationship, isn't going to be successful either.
0: And oh you you are such a contract nerd and i think it's fantastic (laughs) and i and i I say that in all the nice ways yeah it's what's needed it's like there used to be the the kind of the stigma years ago of like no we should all be the same we should all do this we should all do that but the diversity of thought and the diversity of having someone like you is invaluable and um there's even things that i'm not going to announce but ways that we may be partnering in the future on some stuff. And mm-hmm. it's fantastic because I know nothing about what you said. <laughs> and everything like, hey, like, don't fall asleep. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try. Cause like <laughs> that's not my jam, but that's your jam. Right. And that's and that's the beauty. And that's why I wanted you on this show is to put you, help get you out there to really not only share your journey and your story of creating something new. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the goods and the bads that come with that, but also your expertise, because you, your what was your paper about recently? It, just was, it a- was,
1: yeah. So, um, so this is funny because I did I did my dissertation and then I had a publication come through at the same time, um, which was really cool. But um, the publication was about buying innovation, and it's really looking at public private partnerships and how they can work, how they can really help promote um, innovation and how it changes the buying process within the relationship itself. Um, And then my dissertation kind of touches a little bit on that in the sense of it looks at the prototyping authority for DOD and seeing, did it actually have an impact on how OTs are being awarded? And I can like feel when people listen to this, they're gonna be like, heck yeah, it did, I know it did. Um, But what was unique about my research is it was very responsive to a a congressional um, research report that wanted, that Congress specifically stated in there in 2019, that they wanted to figure out a framework for measuring impact of policy. And so I tried to do that with with my study in my dissertation to say, this is how you can measure it. This is the framework you can use. This is the model methodology, et cetera, that you can use to do it whether it works or not for everything, um, maybe not, maybe it's a little too much for how Congress might want to measure that impact, but it's a different way of looking at the data. It's a different way of pulling it apart and really examining, Did is it because of this policy that we're seeing these changes or is there something else that's driving it? Um, and I think that's, that's the answer that Congress wants to know, like what is really, Happening with OTs and how is it promoting it? So innovation policy in general is uh, another thing that I'm very passionate about and helping define it, but also figuring out how do you make it work in order to meet the nation's need of innovation and increasing the government's funding towards R and D.
0: So I want to pick, I want to propose something to you um, here here during this live recording. Um, so I am a person I will, I'm not. I will read, but reading is very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like for comprehending things because I retain things auditorily and visually. Mm-hmm. But reading them is not well for me. Um, would you be willing to record another sh- episode where we talk, really go into depth of that? Yeah. Because I think there's people like me that can learn. I want to learn what you say, but I will never read your dissertation. I'm going to be honest.
1: Absolutely. Like- Absolutely. And I will tell you with my dissertation, I made a promise when I started writing it that it was gonna be under 150 pages from cover to cover. And I did accomplish that from cover to cover. I think it's 123 pages, wait, um, which-
0: Wait, and that's short?
1: That's short. Uh, a lot of dissertations are 400 pages and up.
0: Yeah, that's why you're a PhD and not me. <laughs> that's, that is the, the baseline right there. <laughs>
1: It's a lot. It's a lot of writing. And I think that I I don't even think the writing is the worst part. I think it's the editing and the tweaking that you do for about a year, a year and a half that just drives you crazy. Like if you think overanalyzing your proposal is a lot, imagine looking at the same document, the same hundred pages. I can't even imagine if it was 400, same hundred such pages for like, Four years, and you're just like tweaking a word or tweaking a comma or tweaking a graphic, but like you're not actually writing substantive like paragraphs or anything like that. You have the context. It's just making sure that every single chapter aligns with the other chapter and you're using the same terminology and the same words. And it's just, it's a lot. And I would totally do it verbally versus reading it because. I've zoned out reading it. I used to measure how well I wrote my dissertation by the number of naps my husband would take while he was reading it. Um, So I would know if it was entertaining or not. Um, Luckily, we got it down from five to about three for the first three chapters. Um, But, you know, he's a trooper. He read read it. Uh, He doesn't remember a lot of it, but he definitely had some good naps.
0: (laughs) I'm here. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah yep <laughs> so, and that, that's fantastic and i think it's it's i love that piece that you hit of really hitting that when you create something it's not the creation process that's usually the hard part it's the mm-hmm. making it perfect and in this case it kind of needed to be perfect because that's for you a dissertation i know enough about them like that's now in the world forever yeah. and now that's going to be analyzed and if anyone Copies it, uses it, just like a contract. I'm. I mm-hmm. uh, was recently working with with an organization who had a contract that maybe wasn't written correctly, but they rushed it, did some things, and there was literally in the actual paper contract said that this contract is based on a handshake deal. I said that's this whole thing is going to just topple <laughs> over based on. And the people that shook hands aren't even there anymore. Yeah. And so it's like. Mm, yeah. So that's, I, why, I,
1: that's why documentation is so important because if yeah. you're not there anymore, someone can just make up what that handshake was or, you know, if they're not ethical or make assumptions. Yeah. It happens. Um,
0: and or the contracts void because the, the handshake person's gone It's like, I agreed with this person, not you. Sorry, we're out. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah. Um,
0: well, and and I think for me, that's why I um, the whole piece of you talked about like um, how you have to redo it over and over and over, and both with contracts and with your dissertation and paper you write. I think that's why I do video and audio because like it's it's a whole. I'm not gonna re-record everything again, and that's why I go live so often because like yeah. I'm done. It's in the world. Take it as you will, whatever it is, what it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's harder, you know, to do also live stuff because you have to be prepared to have like a reaction. um, That's very honest, but also you have to be aware of like the reaction that you're having. Right. Um, And I say this because I know I don't control my face very much and I wear my emotions on my face a lot. So if I'm confused, you know, I'm confused. If I'm excited, you know, I'm excited. If I'm thinking, uh, most people say when I'm thinking, I look angry, but it's really like my face is just relaxed. (laughs) So it just looks like I might be upset. I don't know. Um, But, you know, usually like my face carries exactly what my emotion is, unless, unless apparently when I'm concentrating a lot. Apparently that is the one time my emotion isn't honest. Um, so for me, live is sometimes a lot more scary because I'm wondering, like, what does my face tell people? Oh. Like, I know what my intentions are, but what is my face saying? Um, the first so-
0: video, the first video I recorded with people um, standing next to someone, uh, watch it later, and I blinked like a thousand times <laughs> every time I wasn't speaking. So I had I had to learn how yeah. to. How to not blink or react control my face mm-hmm. and so like this even as things i don't know what you're saying i kind of smirk and smile because i know people are looking at my face too and yeah. so i totally understand that part <laughs> and that's something <laughs> i had to even teach myself and learn to like and i have a note right here on my screen that people can't see this says smile because because if you just sit there and listen you're like is he mad is he, does he, yeah. like, is he bored like, what are he like, what is he talking about it's like, i right. no, just, I'm just listening.
1: Yep. No, I totally understand that. Like, even like on zoom calls, I, like, and I think I noticed this more in the last two and a half years than anything else is I have to constantly check. What does my face look like? Um, because like I could be listening and really engaged and taking notes. And then I look at my phone and one of my, you know, colleagues or friends will text me. They're like, are you upset about something? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just like focused. So like, I will have to just like smile because I have to remember, you know, like other people are watching my face. And so I need to be aware of what am I, what am I exuding when I'm looking at this camera? I have Mm -hmm. to be conscientious of the fact that like my facial expression can also you know, have an impact on the person that's speaking. And so like, I'm constantly like checking like, okay, is my face look engaged? Do I look engaged? Do I look happy? Um, Do I look interested? You know, am I expressing what I'm supposed to be? And what I've learned is I'm not alone. (laughs) There are a lot of other people. I mean, some people have like mirrors on their computer so they can constantly just see themselves. Um, And I think that comes from uh, old sales training, like when you used to do cold calls and inside sales, and people would tell you put a put a uh, mirror on your desk. So when you're on the phone, you can smile at yourself and people can hear that you're smiling. And I kind of started rethinking that way with all these zoom calls, because I'm like, I just need to like smile, um, you know, and just make sure people know I'm here, I'm engaged, because my concentration face does not say I'm here and I'm engaged. It says, what
0: are you talking about? Oh, that's awesome. And so we'll recap a little bit. We've had a great conversation about um, contracting, things I don't know, um, things I do know like networking, relationships, building Mm your new business. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with people? I know we could go for hours and hours. Yeah. I think we should in other episodes, especially really breaking down. I'd love to continue this on the next episode of like breaking down OTAs and your dissertation and things for those people that are looking for those tips, tricks, things, Mm -hmm. the creative contracting pathways, um, because it's good to know. And again, I'm never going to read anything that you put out. And so (laughs) that's why I, that's why I do so many podcasts and videos because I don't ever want to put something out that I won't even read. And so I know this is what I'll consume. And so is there anything else you want to share today?
1: I think the only thing that I would really want to share is that, you know, for people like us and people that are doing really well with their network and doing really well um, in the community that they're in, no matter what their profession is, whether it's data analytics, contracts, um, you know, whether it's growth strategy, things like that. um, I think one thing to think about is also giving back and looking at people that, are entering the workforce, whether they're transitioning out of the military or they're entering the workforce from school, whether it's high school or college or whatever their path may be, and helping them by sponsoring them, by putting them in front of people that can help them, inspire them and give back. Because I think without our network ourselves, we wouldn't be where we are today. And without us having the courage to also lean a little bit on our network, Um, You know, not everyone is like that, you know, there's neurodivergent people, there's people that have anxiety, there's people, social anxiety, depression, things that they're struggling with on their own, Um, imposter syndrome, you know, I have that like every day I'm like, am I I really like, am I doing this, Um, you know, and it just takes one person, it takes one person to say, Hey Mohawk Matt, I'd like for you to come with me to this networking event. I think you might meet people that you might be interested in. I'll stick with you the entire night. And be that person for someone to give back. Um, Because I think that's the only way that we're gonna continue to inspire people to stay in this industry and also learn from them. Because you never know where their network's gonna go. You never know what they're gonna do. And if you open up that door for someone, you realize how rewarding that is just to help them out. And they are going to, you know, fly and transcend and create change. But all it took was for you just to turn that knob, open the door and let them walk through it. So that would be my only last thing that I would want to say.
0: I love it. That is fantastic. Well, Dolores, thank you. Or Miss Dinocorn. (laughs) Um, Thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I really hope that anyone out there listening, Really picked up on the pieces, both the hard skills and the hard things, hard meaning the skills that she had to learn um, and actually study and research for, and also the soft skills, the things that she, maybe she still had to learn, but things that aren't really talked about as much as the networking, the conversations, mm-hmm. the, the holding your mental or physical vomit in as you take <laughs> that jump, um, and just really putting yourself out there the way that she has. So Thank you, Dolores.
1: No, thank you. And I will put, put it on the calendar for us to talk about my dissertation yes. so we can dig into that.
0: Fantastic. I look forward to it. So, Bye. everyone, thanks for listening um, to another episode of By Hair, Land, and Sea. And with the wonderful Dolores Cuchichina Machina. And, <laughs> and it's much funner to sing. Uh, so, make sure you subscribe, like, share. If you hate us, tell me. Uh, and we'll make it better. Or not. Whatever.